Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to this week's What Comes Next Live. My guest this week is self-avowed Luddite who, in his words, doesn't go anywhere near Zoom, Ryan Jansen, who I have known for over five years. When I came to him through a referral, I would imagine every single person who comes to him is referred by a happy client with a really bad Achilles tendon. And more interesting than that, and that's interesting enough because they take a long time to heal, was that I had a torn muscle on my calf. And I wrote a blog about Ryan about two years later when he'd been treating me for every I don't know, couple of months. And I realized that he had worked out everything he needed to do with me within 10 seconds of me walking into his studio, but also realized that you had to pace it at the pace of the client and the client's body and the client's understanding. So um, we are in the presence of a master at uh, understanding people's bodies and helping them work with them. Good evening, Ryan. Evening, Tom. Thanks for the introduction. Perhaps just tell us a little bit about yourself, the background, and you're you're a Feldenkrais practitioner, so you can move towards how you got there and what that is. Yeah. I From the accent, I was born in Western Australia and was absolutely sports mad and unfortunately spent more time on the on the injury list rather than playing sport. I mean, I was addicted to Australian rules football and spent more time having physiotherapy than, than playing as, as things got more and more serious. And eventually, I mean, I, I also had this way of playing and being and competing that was probably very Australian in that um, win at all costs. Hmm. So I pushed myself too hard. I played through injuries. There was always something going on. And then I would do various things and just play through it until that became too much. And then I broke. So kind of at a youngest age, like it would have been 18, any any dreams of going further were were, were over, really. Hmm. And, I mean, I, I can say, like I had, I had stress fractures in my back and that really stopped, stopped me in conjunction with a recent knee operation that really stopped me in my tracks. Hmm. And I tried, like I had re- access to, to wonderful physiotherapy. So I was, I was doing that. I was super diligent. So, you know, probably doing that too, or definitely doing that too diligently. I couldn't resolve my problem. Hmm. And, and by this stage, you know, I'd, I'd finished playing those sports and pursued studying physiotherapy and became a physiotherapist and still couldn't resolve my problems. People wouldn't really know, and I was able-bodied, but I couldn't move the way I wanted to. Right. And I pursued Pilates and made myself super strong and was, you know, enjoying looking at my abdominals in the mirror. Did that quite a lot for a few for a few years. And people kept saying, Ryan, you've got to try this Feldenkrais. You've got to try Feldenkrais. And I was like, what, what is that? What's that funny name? And I somehow, like most people do, because it's a rather strange name, Hmm. I resisted, I resisted, I resisted until I didn't. Hmm. And I went and saw this lady I was recommended, you know, I was in that world. I was a physio working at an, at an elite private practice with, you know, um, with, with yeah. professionals. And I saw this lady and it's still the strongest experience of my life, hmm. which my wife kind of, um, frowns upon when, you know, we've, we've got a lovely daughter and stuff, but it's still the most memorable experience of my life. Okay. Yeah. What happened happened there? Keep going. Yeah. Well, I'd been holding myself a certain way, using my muscularity to, to to brace and protect. 
And I, I lie on this lady's table and she moved me around incredibly gently. And I was, as I was lying there, it was really, really strange. She was barely touching me. It was very, very gentle. And I could start to feel myself smiling. And in fact, the smiling went to euphoria. Um, where I was laughing there and, and in honesty, feeling really childlike as increasingly the, the extra work that I'd been doing for numerous years was just letting go, letting go, letting go. And I got off the couch and felt the best I'd felt in however many years, five plus. And the, the funny thing about that session was I, I left there elated. Thank you very much. Said, yes, I want to come back for more. What the hell did you do? What, you know, you, she barely touched me, but what is this stuff? Yeah. And. There, there, I was ravenous. I'd been bracing and holding my stomach and pelvis for some time. Mm. And the only shop nearby was a pie shop. Australians do love pies. And, and I went there and I had six pies. <laughs> the void in my tummy, and I'm not a big bloke for those just listening on audio, but the void in my tummy was so massive. It was like finally I'd let go. I, it was I crate the, the the lady behind the counter was looking at me as if I was mad. So I had these six points. Why did you put those? And the answer is you'd made space. Made <laughs> space. And then the next, I went two weeks afterwards, and a similar thing happens, and I had four pies. And then, as this was going, the these changes were just staying. Like I don't know. I'm sure people have had a massage, and it feels wonderful. Hmm. Uh, or you might be sore for half a day and feel fabulous for a few or a week or so. But the changes were just staying and I couldn't believe it. Like I was feeling renewed. And um yeah, then I, I continued working, going there fortnightly for these sessions. And of course I was bringing full lunches full lunches with me by that by that stage rather than haranguing the pie shop. Um and that was my introduction to Feldenkrais. How many years ago was that? Ooh. 20, how old, you know, 28 years ago. 28 years ago. And uh, yeah. for the audio audience, Ryan looks like he's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and how long had you been uh, doing physiotherapy at that point? I'd qualified because you start, I started physiotherapy at age seven. You started at 17, graduated at, at 21. So I kind of, there was a little crossover between between the two. Okay, so you you, you weren't doing you you'd been quite successful getting into elite physio practice, but you'd not been doing physiotherapy that long. No, uh, and then you 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 pretty quickly began. I'm assuming you pretty quickly kind of voraciously got into Feldenkrais and, and to to learn it, or, or did you carry on with the physio for a number of years? Or yeah, no, it was really the Feldenkrais, and I think I have got my dates skewed there. But anyway, that was this the story. But then. I continued working as a physiotherapist, not as a Feldenkrais practitioner right. at all. It was like this Feldenkrais stuff was pleasure, and it just brought me back to, oh, now I'm me again. Mm. I, could, I could work, and I was working, and, and things that were things that I was doing. Like I, I, by that stage, I'd given up sports, and I was a regular swimmer, mm. and I was muscling the water. And all of a sudden, I started to go with the, so all my movement outside yeah. of me just became easy um yeah yeah it's it, i mean i'm not a swimmer but two of my sons were elite swimmers um and you kind of you spend thousands of hours as a, i'm an official in swimming and watching it and they watch it 
and you get a sense for how whether people there's a phrase they use um catching the water yeah right and if they've got that flow they're not muscling it at all um what's what's mega fascinating in that is when you see junior swimmers and um i, I was at a, a a meet in london a few years ago and a club i was affiliated with i was refereeing but i'd looked at some of the under 12s and sometimes you get the ones who've developed a bit more physically and they win the race etc and i watched one of the races and the club had three swimmers in it and one won the race comfortably the other one came second the other one came fourth and i walked up the coach off the race and went wow yeah and i said wow that swimmer's going far and she said uh you don't mean the winner do you i went no the one who came fourth (laughs) and she says exactly (laughs) we just looked at each other right because we could tell there was something about the way the the way they were with the water Mm. um so it's an interesting uh, interesting parallel you're making for yourself that once you i guess freed up things and you the thing you said at the beginning was you i can't catch your exact words but uh something along the lines of just how it was about how you were moving or how you were holding yourself um, mm. which was affecting your movement. So you were using your muscles to, whether it was your lower back or something or wherever the, the pain was, just holding with your pelvis and your stomach muscles. Wow. That's uh, quite a story. Stuff that, uh, that most people, a lot of people have out there, you know, you, you, you have an injury and then our muscles are fabulous. They protect, they, they guard and protect us. And then that just becomes habit hmm. and it might not hurt anymore, but you still, you, you, you carry the legacy of that event. Hmm. As we age, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think that the the thing for me is my, my fascination is with leadership and people who take, particularly when going, I have a language of going from good to great to elite. And when people, to be good, you have to really learn a lot of skills and be really conscious around it. To be great, you need to know which skills to pick out the toolkit to, to assert, you know, quite quickly. And to be elite, you're not even thinking about the skills. They become automatic and as you're operating at a slightly different level and, and you're not having to consciously go. I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine you can use, uh, if you wish, you can use this, you know, the, sto- uh, the you know, story of me as a, as a client if you want. But I, you know, I was, so, you know, I, from my perspective, always pretty athletic, but I think when I walked, I'm 58 now, when I walked into your place, I just turned 53. I had a really quite nasty Achilles issue and I just hobbled in. I just hobbled in. My guess is that you went, okay, this guy's 50 plus. He's all, he's always been comfortable, felt he could move quite well, but oh my word, look at the different things that are going on there. <laughs> you, I mean, you had, cause you've played lots of sports and been active. You came with your set of injury that I knew that we don't need to go through, but they, and they, they add up and they add up and they add up. Yeah. So for you, for you, yeah, and you said something funny about like I knew what was going on with you in a moment, but in some ways I watched the way you walk. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know you, so I'm just comparing you to the hordes, you know. Yeah. And then, and then interestingly, the way that you sat down. Okay. And then interestingly, the way that you took off your shoes. Now you go and see a normal medical practitioner and they'll, you know, you know, they'll do an, an examination. And yeah. then in some parts that's performing. Now I'm giving the game up now because I don't really care about that examination. Like the way that you put your shoes on that day, I still remember. The okay. way that 
the way yeah. that you sat down in the chair, you didn't sit, you fell, actually. Right. You, know, of course, you didn't have the support from your leg and your leg hurt. So there's all these little signs yeah. that, that that you show that, that everyone that comes to see me shows me. And then it's like, okay, you keep that, or I keep that in my yeah. in my locker of ideas about where where this session might go. And that's, um, yeah, that's that's part of it. Watching the person when they don't think they're being watched. Right. <laughs> yes. And the, the sort of English nursery rhyme type thing is the knee bones connected to the thigh bone. And so my experience as a patient or patient or client, or whatever, is that it's, 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 a, it's just, a, it's about movement and it's about connecting the different parts of you that move. And so I don't have any idea what you do, but I do know that every time I see you and I've been in pretty decent shape now for a while. Um, but I come for a top up and there's always things I need to relearn or other fine tuning. And there's things that I get from that. And I walk out of yours, um, and living in London and you practice in the center of London. Um, there's always a lot of walking London. And I just bounce, I just bounce down the street. Um, and then I have to remember. And what I also know is I'm so conscious of how I move that sometimes I over remember and I exaggerate and I'll come back two or three months later and you go, Right, let's just let's just correct that one. <laughs> so. You you said some interesting words. Relearn's the key word because mm. you know we we humans we have to have an apprenticeship in learning how to move. Like most animals come out and they, you know, if you see a giraffe, a giraffe most giraffes have the same kind of means, but mm. we, we spend a year or so learning how to work, such as the dedication of our brains to vision and cognition. So, so all those little acts of crawling and rolling, they're all, they're all important steps about how we learn how to then support our, support our head, support our teleceptors. So how did I go off on that one? Um, relearning was what you were Yeah. Doing. So, so, and then, and then as a child, we, we get, we don't have to sit at a desk for eight hours a day. We get to run and play and explore and use ourselves the way we want to use ourselves without caring about how we look or whatever. And those, that, how can we re, how can we move like that again? That's like, we, that, those things can be relearned. Hmm. I see. The, 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 the challenging thing for the average thinker is, or, you know, most of us think that we, you know, we have to work hard to achieve. It's the ethos. It's certainly, you know, work hard to get results. Uh-huh. And in learning movement, it will, yeah, you can train, you can train hard, you can get fit, all that stuff. You want to make your muscles strong, cool. But in relearning movement, hmm. if you work hard, as soon as you, as soon as you effort, you use your habit. Habits are brilliant. They're useful. They were at one stage really useful for you. But as hmm. soon as you effort, your go-to is to use the habit. So in relearning movement to become better at something, actually, you have to go slower. You have to try less. And that, for me, in my thinking, because I was brought up to just work harder, come on, play harder, that, for me, was the biggest shift that, that, that still, for most people, is like, no, it's another language. Don't do that. You've got to work harder. <laughs> That's huge. That's The way you've expressed that is massive. Um, when, when I've got this, when we finish talking live, I'll be listening back to that piece of the recording. What it, what occurs to me is something I learned from a, a fellow Western Australian. Ooh. 
It's a guy called Stephen Roth, who's the executive director of Scottish Ballet. So he's not a dancer, he was a musician, um, but he, and he's not the artistic director, but he is involved with the ballet. And he mm-hmm. took me around their incredible headquarters in Glasgow. And I saw the equipment that the dancers train with. It's incredibly specialized. I think it's handmade by, in Germany. And it looks like, you know, gym, multi-gym equipment. But it's designed that they're not using big explosive efforts because dancers have to be very, very strong and flexible and have, of course, amazing movement. Um, but they can't be like, they can't be mus- big and muscly. So it's this idea of eccentric exercise and the combination of I work with you every few months. I come in and one of those sessions just gives me, you know, lots of uh, <laughs> smiles on my face and I go off. And I work every two weeks with a, a very, very experienced Pilates practitioner. I've been doing Pilates about 14 years. Yeah. Um, all we do is really, really slow, low effort, eccentric exercise. We don't do anything explosive anymore. Because I, I also do other exercise, which uses the big muscle sets. Um, so when I work with him, it's, it's incredibly hard work to, <laughs> to, 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 to be in control when you're using. It's so special because you, you've got the attention for that. You know, you've trained at a high level and you've seen the value in that. But for many people, those small movements are kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, you're very sneaky because you're, you, you always, you know, start the, the, start at the beginning of a session. You do these tiny little efforts. Okay. How's this? And you're like, you do, you're a bit like the lady you went to the very first time at the very end of the session. You know, now, you know, the cat's out of the bag because I've seen you a, a lot, a lot of times. I always know something, the things, the movement will be improved. The, the connection between say the heel and the head all the way up the legs and spine will be easier. And, how you do it? I just, I like, that's my brain used to go, what's he doing? How's he doing this? And I'm thinking that the whole time. And now I just go, no, let go. <laughs> just let go. <laughs> Probably why it's working. The, the, the thing you said something great. You said when you walk out of there, everything feels great and you're smiling. And, and that, that is when you're using all of yourself in action. Right. And that, that, you know, it's another concept worth worth talking about. This is yes, all yes. principles and ideas, but I'm sure you've, I mean, you've played sport to a high level. You know, there's a day when you're unbeatable yeah. and everything's going in the hoop or whatever it is you're playing. Yeah, yeah. So the, the the modern sporting vernacular would be you're in the zone. Mm. There, there are some people, the Michael Jordans of the world, whoever, they just find the zone all the time. Mm. The Roger Federer's of the world, these, these superstars. And it doesn't have to be sports people. It can be, be anyone who's performing at the top of their game. But when, you, when all of you is involved with that movement in, in accordance with your intention, you want to be there, you want to be doing it, of course. Hmm. But that's, that's the zone. Hmm. And in our sessions where I try and hook more of you up. So more of you is involved in the action. Ah, oh, it's just light and it's easy. And, and that's something that you can't muscle. You can't force it and say, today I'm going to have the best game ever. I'm going to go out there and. Hmm. zone because like how do you find that elusive state <laughs> so there's the piece around if i want to i want to segue for a minute here there's the yeah. piece around in the case of when you're working with me and it will be common out common with a lot of other people you said you want to hook more of me up you want so there are there are 
if a human walking down the street uses an awful lot, could use an awful lot of different areas of the body, muscles, joints in combination. And if, if it's just working, then they're in the zone or in other languages in flow. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I might not be even conscious of the fact that some of the things you've done, they just, there's bits that weren't working that I like in the example you gave of yourself, I would have been compensating for with other things. So it's, it's, it's eliminate, it's ident. So sometimes like you saw it said the very first time I saw you I fell into the chair because my leg wasn't supporting me. Right. Well, I couldn't compensate for that in that particular movement. So it's eliminating compensations and making everything work together. And the segue is that it's conscious and unconscious. Um, and I was talking to, uh, a corporate leader who's a client recently and they did a presentation, uh, really really important presentation that was public went out to the entire investment community they're a listed company and I, they did the first 20 minutes as a ceo right and i have never heard them present anything like uh, they're a very good presenter but it was it was just another level entirely um and they had the language i use is they prepared so thoroughly they could throw away the script they actually read from the script but they weren't even have to think about it it was like, but it was, it was in the energy and the delivery. So it's the sort of, when we don't have to think about what we're doing, then we can take it to another level. And that's, that's fascinating. So just the act of me, I mean, your studio is a few hundred meters from London Bridge Station and just walking up to the back to the train station from a session. It's like the whole, everything feels different the second I walk out the door. It's yeah. just. And it, and it, and it does free up. It, 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 you use the word euphoria. It, you know, I'm not sure I'd use the same word, but it's certainly, it's a freedom. And so therefore my, my, my mind and my body can be, I'm not, I'm not even subconsciously thinking of other bits that I haven't been unlocked. The, the bits yeah. that, so I'm not having to subconsciously think, how do I carry a hundred kilo one meter 90 frame down the road? Mm-hmm. Um, who, who isn't 18 anymore, who's 58. Um, yeah. but how do I carry myself down the road? Um, and you, you'll be pleased to hear I sprinted from the, from the tube line to the platform at London Bridge today on my way home. And I managed it in under three minutes from the tube platform to one of the upper platforms, at London Bridge. And I'm going, not bad for 58. <laughs> and I went, when I first met Ryan five years ago, I would like, I literally was hobbling down the street all at all. And it took about what a year before I could even walk properly. With all of that, because the, the Achilles is terrible. But we, what you didn't do was put infrared and acupuncture and everything like this. You just figured once we fix the movement, it will fix itself. Once you take the pressure off it, you know. So it's yeah. that, that flow and zone piece is huge. So that's important. That mind, mind the mind body connection. And I imagine um, from little things you said over the years, that I've picked up. That's an awful lot of what 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 you because the, the learning process to be a Feldman Christ practitioner is. Many years and quite intense, right? And you're, it's you're, a, it's a four it. year, it's a four year training program. Mm. And it's, and it's so contrary to, so in physiotherapy, you know, you learn the anatomy, you learn the physiology, you learn the neurology. You, there's mm. a lot of books. You do a little bit of movement, a little bit of touch, but the emphasis has really gone off touch. In a Feldenkrais training program, there's no books. You learn off you. You learn off, off your own movement. Mm. Uh, and that's a, that's pretty different. Mm. So, he counted, his plan was like to counter the habits that we have, the, the 
most of our habits with movement are in relation to the ever relentless force that is gravity. So to to change, a, for example, a golf swing within a golf swing or to change the way that one bends over to do the dishes because their back hurts in that functional position is challenging because our habits are strong. Our habit about how where our weight is in our feet, where our head is, things we don't think about and shouldn't have to think about. We should just be thinking about what, you know whatever we want to think about. So most Feldenkrais sessions like we've had, it's always like, okay, there might be a functional thing we look at, but then lay down. Because it's so much easier to invite change without that gravitational response. Yeah. And then, and then the second thing is there's a whole bunch of when when I work with you, Tom, I usually use touch and give you some movements yeah. to do. And the movements are always they're not things that you've done before. They're always like what well, it could be ridic- quite a ridiculous movement. Mm. But the one thing I know is you haven't done the movement before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I haven't done the movement for, and you're generally not in standing, then I've got a better, and you go slow, then I've got a better chance of inviting a new habit. That's the tactic. And that word inviting change, that phrase inviting change is, is very important, right? That's, uh, it goes back to the, the small, not big muscle, not, not uh, muscling it, as you said. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there, there were, I said when we started that, um, I, I have an eclectic, uh, range of alumni who've been on this this podcast um and while i i love business so i often work with most of our business leaders um mm. my, my passion is is the um how humans get the most out of themselves in service of others um and you know there is so many nuggets in listening to you talk for uh or drawing these little these these stories out from from relearning to inviting change to um getting in the zone um they're so they're so they're just parallels to the mind not just the body yeah um because yeah the number of times people are always yeah i mean when i'm coaching the parallel for me is when i'm coaching people um after it didn't happen immediately but after maybe a couple of years you get to the point where i i consciously don't think about the next question I'm going to ask. Mm. I've got past the point of here are 10 questions I'm going to ask this client because I'm a coach and here's the process to uh, what are they? I've got to have to have a note, you know, beginning a note and set notes in front of me. What are the coaching questions to, I know the coaching questions, but I'm going to ask the coaching questions to pops into my brain while they're talking. There's another coaching question I can ask to go. No, that's not. I'm going to wipe that from the, from the front of my mind and then then when my mind is completely clear sometimes the, the not sometimes that's when the right question comes up yeah. and i do not think about it it just comes straight out my mouth and that's where the question comes from that's my, that's what that's the mastery you're talking about well it, it is to some level but it's the it's the point of being it, that's my equivalent as a, what my experience has been as somebody who's done the old 10,000 hours Mike Malcolm Gladwell plus of coaching is like, that's what I find works the best. Just like there's a point at which you just ask a question, which and even in my brain, sometimes I go, what the hell question are you just asking? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it is, it, there's a fascinating thing is like, you know, you, a lot of those movements you will get me do. And I, again, I'm only, I'm, I'm, it might sound like I'm being a bit specific on myself, but I imagine it's very similar for a lot of your clients. You, the, that then gravity is out of the picture because you tend to be lying flat. Yeah. And you'll get me to do these movements. And it's like, you're right. I 
Okay, what is he getting me to do? And the other thing is, they're not scary, big, muscly movements. There's no nervousness in them. They're just like, hmm, okay, that's different. And then I I normally go, you send me a note later by email, and I'll go home and I'll do that. Probably like most people, not as diligently as, as, uh, you know, you said, do it X number of times, X number of times a day. Oh my God, I'm just saying this out loud and I'm realizing, you know, you know exactly how many of the people should do. So you tell them to do about three or four times as much because you know the average patient never does it. Damn. <laughs> Damn. The, I the just idea, realized that. <laughs> the ideal is though, in, in seriously, the ideal is they only do it when they want to do it. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then they're in the place where they actually want to do it and it's likely to hold. That's the ideal. But people right. tend to need stru- structure just because we're used to being educated that way. But the ideal for you is but no, I don't feel like doing it today. And tomorrow you go, yeah, I really fancy it. That even if that was like twice a week, that would be your ideal. So that's where the the then the, the phrase resistance comes in, which is a phrase psychologists use quite a lot too, right? So what you resist persists. So it's like so that yeah, inviting change. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I, I'm I'm now like getting really energized about this. I could talk to you for hours. Um, but I won't, I like to keep these podcasts around half an hour. Um, and I really do appreciate you coming on. It, this will be, uh, different. It'll be what a lot of people have not been used to hearing from other guests. And as I expected, it will be really valuable listening for people. There'll be lots of things they can apply. Um, if of course, um, they are, um, you know, in a position where they have something they've not been able to address. If they can get themselves onto your list, they can find uh, Ryan Jansen at Feldon Christ London. Um, it may take a few months to get an appointment. I will say the same offer to any uh, any person listening to the podcast um, that I was given by your, you know, which client uh, referred me. He's also been on the podcast, Alan Wick. So I'll, I'll name that. Um, Alan said to me, Ryan is expensive and he's worth multiple, a multiple of, of what, what you'll pay him. And if you don't find it's worth a multiple of what you're paying him, I will refund you your, what, what it costs you. And so I have now, you know this, I've actually done this for more than one person I've sent to you. <laughs> um, nobody comes back for a refund. <laughs> so there you go. There's a very strong referral, but, uh, Thank you. I will leave you. I always like to leave the the guest with a sort of some closing words for um, words of nuggets, wisdom, whatever. Well, how would you like to just close it, close us out, right? Oh, if if this is curious, try to look up Feldenkrais and do an ATM lesson. It's called an awareness through movement lesson. You can get download any one of them on online from numerous sources, or you could do one from his book. And when you do it, don't treat it like exercise. Treat it like you do not care about the outcome and see what happens. Maybe you'll get hooked. Okay. Awareness through movement. Look up Feldenkrais. F-E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S. And yeah, do it like it doesn't matter. <laughs> and you'll get it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much.